please join me in reading the scripture for today from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. the pilot. I'm the pilot. You? No, it's true. We're the only ones on board. You can understand that thing? And that thing can understand you too, so watch it. Come on out of there. It doesn't matter whether you're hiding on the Millennium Falcon or traveling in a foreign country. You got to speak the language to get by, don't you? We were in Israel in 14 visiting my sister, and she had her and her husband had to go away on some kind of company trip, and so they left us in Tel Aviv, and we rented a car, and we were going to go see some sites. We were going to go visit Nazareth, and I think we were going uh, to Megiddo, something like that. And we head off. Everything's going great until I look at the, uh, the gas gauge on the car and realize that we're almost out of gas. And it's not like driving down an, an American interstate where you have signs telling you that a quick trip or a racetrack or a McDonald's is showing up in the next mile or two. We were driving, and that, that yellow light stayed on, and I'm like, where in the world is a gas station? And we pulled over at three or four different stops, and we're trying to communicate um, we needed gas or gasoline. And people were trying to help the, the, the Palestinians that, were, that we'd visited. They were trying to help us, but it wasn't until Cosmo said, wait a minute, don't they call it petrol? And then the Palestinian, one of the Palestinians said, oh, petrol, petrol, it's over here. It's, they got us to where we needed to go. Man, speaking the language helps sometimes, doesn't it? It's a problem in life. When you don't understand it, when you don't know the language, language can create a barrier, can it? Language can stop us, can keep us from going where we need to go, finding what we need to find, being who we need to be. And that's what I think the Psalms do for us. The Psalms actually show us how to speak God's language. The Psalms, there are 150 individual, straightforward conversations with God. Right there in the middle, uh, right there in the middle of your Bible, uh, I'm almost directly in the middle as you move through the Old Testament, there are these conversations with God of, of individuals pouring their hearts out to the Lord in really incredible ways, in really direct, powerful ways. The Psalms um, aren't just, uh, the Psalms, we consider the praise, uh, the praise songs of the Bible, but their, their content or their genres are, are far-reaching, from thanksgiving to lament to confession to songs of praise. There's a whole section of psalms called the Songs of Ascent that they sung as they were moving up to Jerusalem for the three feasts of each year. And whether you were going down or up, no matter, wh- no matter which direction you're coming from, you were always moving up to Jerusalem because that's just the way it works. But with the psalms, they, were, um, they covered, they covered the, the range of human emotions. And these psalms that were written down, uh, sung and written down from about 100 to 587 B.C. before the um, Assyrians came and took the northern kingdom away. But these were the songs 
of the people. These were the songs that, that taught them their faith and also taught them how to speak to God. And one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 19 that we're going to look at and study today. Because I believe that it tells us three languages that God uses to speak to his children. So are you ready to look at these languages? Are you ready to see what, how God speaks to us? First is, uh, the cre- is creation. I believe that God speaks through, the, through creation, which is the sign language of God. It's what points us to him. Hear these verses from Psalm 19. Sorry, this is, and what, what, when we talk about this created order, we talk about natural revelation. That's a theological term for it. But how nature reveals God to us. Hear these words from Psalm 19. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there, nor are there words, their voice is not, where their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy. And like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. God uses the sign language of creation to speak to us. I believe that this psalm was written or inspired uh, by a sunrise. Uh, It's attributed to David. Um, But there he was, possibly sitting out there with the sheep, having to spend the whole night making sure that they were safe. And as the sun begins to rise, he, the, the Spirit of God encounters him, and he begins to understand. He begins to pin this down or begins to form this song, this psalm, in a way that says, yes, this is who our God is. And it all started with sunrise. And I don't know where you find, uh, where you find God speaks to you. I don't know where, where it is that God shows up in the most unexpected places, but for my family and I, uh, we're more sunset people. Uh, we, 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 we are up before the sun rises at times, but we enjoy the sunset. And we also love, we also love stars. We also love, we also love moons. You know, we're about to hit the super moon now. We're going to get two in January. That's awesome, right? Uh, we, we love, um, we had been talking about a solar eclipse for years. And when there was finally one that was close enough to us, we ran and spent a minute and a half in the path of, path of that eclipse up in Missouri because we, we weren't going to get to see one together, possibly, unless you moved to, you know, unless we, we flew to Africa or something, uh, while I was still alive. We love that. But for you, I wonder where that is. Is it the beach? Some of us are beach people. We see God very clearly, very easily at the beach. Others of us are mountain people, right? God's there in the mountains. You can't help ignore it. Maybe it's your porch, your back porch or your front porch where you drink coffee and you see your flowers grow. You see the butterflies come and go. Maybe it's in your deer blind or your duck blind. Uh, I know a lot of people who have who've gotten all the trophies they've ever wanted, but they just want to go out, they, men who just want to go out there and be in nature and watch what's going on. I don't know where it is that God speaks to you, whether it's in the river or in a canyon or what, but I know that there's a place that you think of that you, you're so sure, you're so confident that God has shown up, right? You can see it and you go, man, if this was, if I had this to look at every day, it would be hard not to admit. It'd be hard for anyone not to admit that there's a God and that he's trying to speak to us. And that's what's happening here. That's what's happening here in the psalm is that David is telling us, and we are, we are, we are, we are agreeing with him, that God is speaking to us by, 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 way, by the way that nature is pointing, him, pointing us to him. Lifting our eyes out of our day-to-day work, 
lifting our, our eyes above our problems and our toys, and we encounter God's majesty through creation. Paul said this in Romans, um, uh, hundreds, uh, maybe a thousand years later, he said it this way, from what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he has made, so they are without excuse. Creation, the created order, is pointing us to who God is, to his nature. It points us to God. But here's the, dif- here's the differentiation for us as Christians. It points us to God but it's not God. Creation sent signs and signals to us what God is about and maybe some of his majesty because who could have thought of a giraffe? Uh, I mean, when I think of a giraffe, I've seen, I've seen Jim Henson try to copy that, but all we're doing is building off of what we already know. Butterflies, that's another thing that we love. Uh, something on our bucket list is actually get down to Mexico with the monarchs. Uh, winter before, you know, before everything, before the climate messes it up, or it seems to be that going that way. Love the fact that they can migrate all those miles and back. It's just amazing to us. Um, and, you know, some of us, you know, you, we think about nature out there, but then first time you ever heard, held a child, or you, first time you held your grandchild, and you see those little fingers with the little prints on them, and you think, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is, God's trying to speak to us, right? But, it's not God. We're not God. The earth isn't God. It's a creation. It's a tapestry. It's a work of art that has a signature on it. Creation, for all it does to point to is, for all it does to speak about who God is, it's not enough. Natural revelation isn't enough. It can't tell us everything we need to. It, we're, like Paul says, we're without excuse. We points us to God, but it can't tell us everything we need to God, need to know about God. And so God uses another language to speak to us. First language is creation, the sign language of nature, right? But the second language is scripture. It's the written word of God. This, uh, as, again, a kind of theological term to divide, divide between nature and, and the word or scripture. Nature is a natural revelation. Scripture is the inspired revelation, the spoken word of God that, that the people of God have kept and guarded over all these centuries so that we can know who he is. And I don't know what you think about the Bible. I don't know what you think um, about the Old Testament and New Testament. I know that uh, I've been leading, uh, we've, we've had like 70-something people in the disciple on Wednesday night, and we've been working our way through the Old Testament this last fall. And as it has moved us through those, um, has moved us through those passages, I tell you, you know, it's, it's hard and it, you wrestle with the way that God was revealing himself to the people of Israel uh, before Jesus. And there were some people by the, by the 10th or 11th week were like, oh my gosh, I'm just ready to get to the New Testament. I'm just ready to get to the good news. It's hard to understand God and the laws and the things that he's requiring and the, and the pain and the death that's there. Um, and and I, think we, I think we can have a, uh, you know, all the rules that are there. And I think we can have that, that idea of that, that this is just a big rule book that we're not ever going to be able to keep. We're not ever going to be able to maintain. I would like to offer, and I think Psalm 19 would like to offer, that um, the law, that the scripture, that God's word spoken to us and written and transmitted to us over these years is not just a rule book, but it's a love letter. It's a love letter like my, um, my late mother-in-law 
I told myself I wasn't going to cry. <laughs> um, like my late mother-in-law has written to uh, my oldest uh, before she died. He was six months when she died. Uh, cancer that spread and we couldn't, get, we couldn't get under control. But before she passed away, she wrote birthday cards and graduation cards. And she goes, is he going to graduate from college? She said, yes, he's right, graduating from college. Write that letter. <laughs> wrote letters for him for every, for every, every event that she could think of. Uh, took, about, took a couple of weeks, and we have this, um, we have this envelope, this manila envelope full of those cards. And it's like, you know, it's like you, if there was ever a fire, we got to get the kids, we got to get the dogs, and we've got to get Pam's letters out with us, right? And these letters are beautiful because she's not telling him how he's failed her. She's not telling him how she's disappointed. She's trying to speak to him what she hopes for him, what she longs for him to be, the kind of man, the kind of person that she, she wants him to grow up to be and to know that he's loved, right? Uh, I wonder if, um, if we wouldn't let Psalm 19 be a love, help us see Scripture as a love letter that speaks over us because of the good and the hope and the joy that it wants to bring in our lives. Read with me, uh, read with me this middle part of, of Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightened the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honeycomb and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them, there is great reward. What did you hear? Did you hear how, how did you hear anything negative there? No, because Psalm 19 speaks of the benefits of Scripture, not the negatives. It speaks of who we're called to be, who God longs to see us become. I wonder if you could allow this psalm to change your mind, even just a little bit, as you engage the Bible this year. To know and to trust the Lord. I know, when, it, when you begin just this quick prayer, I know, God, that you have good for me, and you want the best for me. Help me see this in the story that you've given us. I wonder if we could turn to it and know with, the, with, this, with this heart, that lean into the idea that God's, God is desiring our good. Paul would say this later about Scripture uh, as he's writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Psalm 19 reminds us, and I hope you hear that God is speaking to us. He's written this down. It's been written down for our benefit the scripture wasn't simply written so that we could know the law, but it was, it was written so that we could live abundantly. Do you hear those words? It enlightens, it strengthens, it's desirable, We're, it creates wisdom. It's th this idea, these are pictures of the good life. These are pictures of fullness. This is a picture of joy. This is what it wants to reap in who we are. This is what it wants to produce 
in our lives, in our homes, in our businesses, in our schools, wherever we, we go. But the problem is, uh, you can't, it doesn't just happen. Uh, this, the benefits of Scripture are like toys at Christmas. Batteries aren't included. Have you ever woken, woken up or your kids have woken up for Christmas and uh, they're, uh, they're, pulling their, they're pulling their toys apart and everything's great, but you realize that you've gotten D batteries instead of C batteries and things don't work? I mean, that's a, that's a buzzkill, right? <laughs> You're like, dear Lord, thank you for CVS being open, right? So you can run and get some. But for the benefits of Scripture to apply in our life, for, them to, for us to be able to reap them in our life, we have to obey them. We have to put them into practice. We actually have to walk them out. And that takes trust. Uh, that, takes, uh, that takes commitment. And that takes community. Uh, because we can't do this on our own. If you're trying to live this life on your own or, or by yourself, it's so hard. What I want to encourage you, uh, encourage you this year is as we move into as we move into January and we have our Find Your Place Fair, which talks about our different small groups, I want to encourage you to find a group of people to begin to know, to begin to, to share your life with so that you can walk this out together and so that you can discover the goodness that God has for you together. But it takes practice. Batteries aren't included. But with all that, with all that nature says to us and all that the Scripture says to us, revelation it just isn't enough. These two types of revelation aren't enough. It has to be sung. And here's, here's where I get this from. Some of you all might, have know, might know that, I'm, that we're pretty big Tolkien fans in my home. Uh, and if you've read the books, awesome. My challenge for my 14-year-old and my 12-year-old this year is to read The Cimmerillion, The Lost Tales of Tolkien. Now, it's totally geeking out. But it's awesome. But it's awesome. And this, this was an, an image or an idea that I got from Tolkien as he's, as he's beginning to create this mythology that, that, start, that, that shapes Middle-earth, as he begins to describe how Middle-earth came into being, he borrows so much from the Hebrew Scriptures. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. But instead of speaking the world into existence, the way that he sees this creator God the, um, designing Middle-earth, is that he sings it. He sings it. And as he sings it, creation... Um, joins with him and then begins to sing and continue the song as it moves forward. And here in the songbook, the songbook of the Bible, and David being one of our best praise leaders ever throughout the centuries, hear what Psalm 19 picks up on this, and I believe begins to pick up on this idea of the song. Who can detect their errors? This is Psalm 19, 12 through 14. Who can detect your errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Do you hear what's happening? And I think as you read it, if you go home and read it all the way through, you hear him about to break out into song because he realizes nature has a role to point people to God. And it does its jobs well. And Scripture has another role that teaches us the character of God so that we can then begin to obey it and practice it and become like him. But the best language that God ever speaks 
the most powerful language that God ever has produced isn't in nature, isn't in the scripture, but it's actually in our lives when we begin to sing and live out his character, when our lives become a song. And so the final and best language that God speaks to us, his children, in the world today is this heart song of our personal witness. Nature can't touch it. Scripture can't touch a life that is living out God's word in a powerful way so that the world can see it. And when our hearts begin to sing, when our hearts take this on in a transformative way, when we begin to enflesh the word itself, we become a song that others can hear. The problem is, is our sin. From the moment that God created, uh, the moment that God created us, and moved us into this song of his, the song of salvation, uh, we disobeyed, and we turned away. We wanted it to be for ourselves, and this sin caused us to lose the rhythm, and this sin caused us to forget the melody of God's, God's story. And so, like an instrument that is out of tune or dirty or broken, we can't produce the music that we were created, uh, created to, to, to live. And of all the definitions of sin that are in the Bible, this is one of the most beautiful ones I've ever heard. A beautiful definition of sin. I know that sounds ironic. But in the hands of the master, in the hands of the creator, when we allow him to search us and know us, when we allow him to have his way with us, what we're saying to him is, tune me up, God. Fix me. Allow me to be a part of the music again. I want to sing your song, not mine, not somebody else's, but I want to sing your song. Psalm's movement is from not, just, not simply just knowing about God, but to living a life that is pleasing to God. But I want to say pleasing. I want to define pleasing in a way that's in tune with God, that's in harmony with God, that improvises and jams with God. Taking what we know from him in creation, taking what we know has spoken to us in his word, but allowing that to produce a, a familiar and yet exciting new melody that only your life can produce. There are songs, there's a song that can only be sung by you. And I believe God is waiting, and I believe the world is waiting to hear that from you. Um, when my kids were beginning, when we were beginning homeschool, uh, one of the techniques that um, our curriculum used for us was... Uh, songs we use songs to help the kids memorize different facts uh it's awesome right y'all you, we all I mean, we can all we can all probably sing um the i'm just a bill from schoolhouse rock stuff like that that helps them understand things well my kids when they were beginning their um their, their homeschool curriculum through classic conversation sorry i'm not it's not an infomercial i promise um they started singing a and started memorizing a 600 item timeline of world history 600 item timeline and i remember when we first when we first got to it, and i go really can they do that i mean is that possible and after about a month as we we're beginning to sing it and beginning to do it my i realized that my kids have got this thing down cold and they've got it down cold because it's not about it's not it's not just about memorizing something for a test it's a song it's fun it's joyful and then after, my, um, after the end of my fall semester, it was, it was during the fall semester when this started, I had a kid who came to me. He, he said uh, he's in trouble with his parents. I'm like, why are you in trouble? He said, well, I'm failing world history. 
We're like, well, what, what do you mean world history? And then he started listing off the different um, times and uh, different ages and stuff. Basically, he was failing what my kids were learning by the, time, by the time they were out of elementary school, just the basic facts of it. But I think the prompt, the, the, um, it's not because my kids are, maybe they're, maybe they're, they're above average. Um, <laughs> it's not just because they're above average, but I think it was, made, it was because it was made fun for them. It was made fun for them instead of, I've just got to pass this class to get my degree. That's what I'm talking about, a life that is pleasing to God, that joins in the joy and joins in the, um, joins in the, in the, uh, I mean, that's the best way I can say it, the joy that comes from being in tune with who God is. Because here's the thing. I believe that God wants our lives to become the soundtrack to his story. I believe that the world needs to see our lives sung and sung as well as possible. And we're not all singers, right? Some of us really fall into that category of just making a joyful noise to the Lord. It's a noise and it's joyful, but, you know, that's as far as we can get, and that's all right. But when our lives light up and when people can see that in us, it makes the words of Scripture, it makes what God has done in creation so much more understandable. And there are people out there who need to hear that music, maybe for the first time, or maybe again because of who and what they've been through. St. Francis said this. Um, he said, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. What I want to encourage us to do this year is I'd say, let's sing the gospel. And then when people ex- ask, us why, ask us about the joy or the hope that we have within us, then we can break down the lyrics for them and show them who it's about. It's about this one called Jesus who has met us and come to us, and given our lives music again. So our action steps for the year 2018. Um, maybe even beginning today as we come to communion. Just to ask God to search your heart. That, um, the, the, those two verses there, 12 and 13, where he's saying, search me for my hidden faults. Keep me from things that, that I might, might be my blind spot, is really what he's saying. He's asking God to do a, do a clear inventory. He's giving God permission to go there. Uh, give God permission to search you. And when he touches something, and, and though it may be painful, I believe he will touch it lovingly. At least that's the voice you need to be listening for. He puts his hands on it and said, uh, man, Creighton, we, need, we really need to deal with this right now. Let him have it. Let him search you. And then every time you wake up, whether you get to see the sunrise or not, uh, let these be the words that guide you. Let these be the words that help tune you to what God is doing. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Before you get into that argument with your spouse or your kids, say this prayer, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Before you go into that stressful meeting, before you uh, just start to rip somebody's head off because they, you think that they've done you wrong, let this be the thing that tunes you to become, so that you can be. You can be the you can be the song that they need to hear. Oh Lord, the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Amen.